Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And welcome into another victory edition of Spits and Suds. Hello, everybody. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. What a great Monday night of hockey we just witnessed. A very exciting 4-3 to overtime victory. The Stars take down the Seattle Kraken. Seattle ties the game with just over 20 seconds left, and then the Stars win it in overtime. Welcome to the Matt Duchesne Show. Wow. I mean, it just continues. What a year he's having. What a pickup by Jim Nill. And I'm super excited, folks, because we're wanting to get this guy to join us for a while. The D Magazine train continues. We have David Castillo. We have our man, Sean Shapiro, who will jump on with me tomorrow. D Magazine hiring some terrific writers to talk stars. And Robert Tiffin joins us. He is with D Magazine, formerly uh, with Defending Big D, at Robert Tiffin, if you, you got to follow him, folks, because the analytics he throws out is terrific. Really a nice deep breakdown on your Dallas Stars. Robert, how are you tonight? Nice tilt out there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Kind of a last year's uh, playoff series encapsulated into into 62 minutes. It was pretty good. Yeah, no, it, it really was. And I mean, you would think that the penalties would slow this game down, but it actually kind of, you know, made it exciting. And, you know, both teams got a lot of penalty opportunities, but just couldn't. Um, make good on it. Stars did score with a, a six on five, but I'll tell you one thing that I loved about this game was I thought Seattle, like one of the playbooks I've been saying against the stars is, is go hard on the four check and pin those stars D men in the zone because they're struggling to get it off the boards. They're struggling with any kind of physicality. I felt as though in the first few minutes, Seattle brought that, but kudos to the stars they countered that with amazing breakouts that first goal it was so quick out of their zone and then the tic-tac-toe play you know Sagan over to Duchesne making it one to nothing it really just changed that game because early on in the first couple of minutes Seattle had some good opportunities but the stars I mean they used their speed to their advantage yeah that uh that first goal was a great example of that because you have a two-on-one uh, with Duchesne and Sagan, and you could see that they felt finally, okay, we have a chance after, you know, having to be on their back, you know, be on their back foot for most of the game. And they, you know, solved it with about three different passes back and forth before they finally dunked it. And that kind of told you what sort of game it was going to be right there. And it kept on going more or less. No, absolutely. Even the second goal by the stars was, uh, was on a breakout and rope hints doing a great job, you know, down on his knees, keeping the play alive. And uh, then it was uh, Pavelski to uh, Robertson uh, for the second goal. Pavelski would come up big later on. I mean, just an amazing, like, 
You know, I think people were expecting him to go back to the point. Seattle tired, six on five. Pavelski with a cross. I mean, it was a Vetchkin like that one-timer by Duchesne. It was so pretty. Uh, that's not an easy shot. I mean, granted, he had an open net, but that's coming off a, you know, that's a, I mean, that's a tough one-timer. He makes it happen. It, it was just such a fun game to watch. It had a combination of of hits. It had some really nice saves by both goalies, a lot of penalties, some good checking, a lot of odd man breakouts. It kind of, you know, I mean, I think the fans got their money's worth. Yeah, I think so. Uh, one, one of my favorite things was early on, you know, anytime you see a, a, a former star, you kind of key in on them a little bit more. Um, and Jamie Alexiak, obviously, is hard to miss for a lot of reasons. Um, yeah. and him, him being the defenseman, actually, neither neither rush was really his fault, but he happened to be the last guy back for the Kraken on uh, both of those first two goals. And it was interesting because he, uh, in both cases, kind of got victimized with some really nice passing, to be fair. But then right after that first goal, Joel Hanley, of all people, was the last guy back on a two-on-one defending. And Hanley was able to shut down the two-on-one with a nice sliding block, uh, even though he's about a foot shorter than Alexiak. It, it was ah. a, a weird contrast to see, okay, here's this guy who was brought in to be essentially the seventh defenseman. And he, you know, in a way, is able to do this job. You'd think a guy six foot seven would would be able to do no problem. But it just goes to show, you know, when it comes to those open lanes, like you're talking about for that Duchesne shot, uh, there's a lot more involved than just how tall you're standing. It's uh, it's where you're going. And the Stars created just enough lanes tonight uh, to make them pay. Yeah, and I am like pro getting Nils Lundqvist in there because you spent a first on him. And, I, you know, I mean, mistakes happen. And, you know, I mean, I just want him to learn. And I just disagree with this isn't a developmental league. And it's like, well, then you shouldn't have made a trade for him. That's it. You know, I want to be, I want to be oh, fair. Man, D- David's going to start banging the door down. If you bring up Nils Lundqvist, you know, I know I totally, I totally get it. I totally have David and I have this all the time, but I mean, I listen, I got to call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Like I was down on Radic Fox the last year. And I think actually Radic Fox has played pretty well this year and especially in the face-off circle. Um, but I will say like, you know, Hanley played well tonight you mentioned that two on one real nice hit on tanif which broke things up like you know i mean he you know great seventh defenseman would i like to see him in the top six you know maybe not all the time but at the same time like i can't i can't watch tonight's game and say like hey you know nils lundquist has to go back in based on hanley's play Mm -hmm. it's interesting because fox of being scratched for this game you know, my first thought was, well, maybe that's a result of the Seattle speed. And so you want some like someone like yeah. Delandria to center that line because he'll be able to handle it a little bit better, handle that hard forecheck, actually track in the neutral zone a little bit better than than Foxa because he's he's great defensively. He really is, but that's not a strong point of his game, especially as he's gotten older. He's you know he's twenty nine, but gotten older, right? <laughs> uh, relatively speaking, uh, and yet it doesn't apply when it comes to defense, right? Which granted, it's a slightly different role. They're not in the neutral zone quite the same way as a center. Yeah. But if if you think that Nils Lundqvist would ever be useful in a game, this is probably the, the type of team you'd expect him to be useful against. And clearly they uh, they don't trust him against Seattle's forecheck and they maybe don't trust him in a lot of different situations. But yeah, you know, kudos yeah. to Hanley. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think Delandria had a pretty good game again. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I like seeing Delandria in there. I know it's a matter of numbers, um, but man, I just love how hard he plays and, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I, well, I he yes, well. 
Yeah, he did. He did. He had a good game overall, and I think he got stronger. He was allowed to kind of keep keep working at it. He did have that offensive zone penalty, which has been kind of yeah. a problem for him this year. And yeah, and you wonder, you know, I, has he done enough to kind of stick in the lineup? I'm not so sure. It was a good game for him, um, but also the fourth line kind of had a tough time finding ice time in the th- in the third period, also yeah. with all the special teams. So we'll see. You know, it could have been just kind of a rest and reset for Foxa as opposed to, you know, this is the new normal. But, you know, with DeBoer, you, you never really know. You know, Craig Smith is also eating a lot of healthy scratches, too. So he's kind of shown he's not afraid to, you know, Dodonov took another uh, another couple of scratches as well. So it's kind of hard to read uh, with DeBoer whether this is going to be, you know, more regular or this was just a one-off because of yep. a lot of games lately. So I, I know nowadays it doesn't matter what you call the number one line, but it is interesting that last year we're like, wow, maybe that Dodonoff, Ben, Wyatt Johnston is the true number one line. Although the number one line in the NHL that a lot of people liked was, you know, Pavelski o- along with uh, Robertson and Hints. Although now if we look at, you know, if you said what is, and you put out a great tweet tonight about plus minus and what that, Marchment, Sagan, and uh, Duchesne lines doing, you know, that to me is clearly the number one line uh, right now for the stars. Yeah, they're, uh, I think the number is something like uh, they're, they're, you know, like plus 10 or something on the season, roughly. I mean, it's hard, you know, Marchment missed some time and stuff like that, but more or less, you know, the, the Duchesne line has been scoring by far, you know, more more than any other line, um, even even the top line, uh, but not just scoring more than them. They've also been defending really well, too. Yeah. That's the weird thing about the hints line this year is they've been giving up a lot of goals They're they're I mean, a lot of the players on that line are in the in the minuses, which with plus minus. And again, plus minus doesn't tell you everything, but it tells you what happened. And what happened is a lot of goals are going in the stars net when formerly the best line in the NHL has been on the ice. And that would be a bigger problem. It certainly is a problem, but it would be a lot bigger problem if the stars didn't happen to have this guy they got for three million dollars, you know, less than Radic Faxa. Yeah, uh, centering centering this line, scoring. I mean, he he Matt Duchesne won the game for him tonight. Yeah, uh, this was the Matt Duchesne game. Absolutely, it was great. You know, seeing him like this, it reminded me of Tyler Sagan. You know, ten years ago, just absolutely ripping one timers from all over the ice, crazy good assists, up on the rush, just everywhere. Right. This is the sort of this is what they were kind of hoping they'd get when they signed Matt Duchesne, but they knew, you know, that's probably a lot to hope for, but when he wins a game for you like tonight, Hey, yeah, no wonder they're one of the best lines in the league right now. Yeah. You know, Luds told me a couple of weeks ago, he's like, let's just get through the season, man. <laughs> and I don't know if Sean said that as well, but I mean, I just keep thinking to myself, like, do yeah. you resign Duchesne? And here's why, like the reality is, is, I mean, you know, we had to use an emergency, you know, backup goaltender the other night because you're cap strapped. So this is the, th- third year i believe of cap strapped and at some point you have to say okay understand duchene has to leave or pavelski has to leave granted they're playing at unbelievable levels because we have maverick bork because we have um and unfortunately those are the contracts that are expiring after this year is pavelski um and duchene um, but we have Logan Stankoven. So it's it's kind of interesting, and I know I shouldn't talk about it right now, but at the same time, Robert, <laughs> I'm talking about it right now because <laughs> I just keep thinking to myself, like, what are the stars going to do? This is going to be fascinating. They either have to trade yeah. some, you know, but that 
they have to figure this out. You cannot keep Stankoven and Bork down another year. Yeah, I was I've been I've been saying, you know, cap well, the stars are sort of a victim of their own health in a lot of ways. You know, they yeah. they just again haven't had a lot of people going down with injury. They haven't had to really LTIR anyone yet. We found out, you know, this morning that even Jake Ottinger they isn't apparently going to be out super long, you know, week to week, but that's that's good news, right? That's good news when yep. when you first saw the injury it looked like, oh, this could be a bad groin pull. We could be talking months and Instead, it sounds like they're hoping for him to be back in, you know, maybe a couple of weeks, which is good news. Um, but the downside of that is you don't free up, you know, you don't have the ability to go over the cap and then recalling someone with that cap space. And, you know, of course, well, it's a good thing. Anyone who remembers the bankruptcy days, uh, it's a good thing that the start yeah. is spending to the cap because this is the part of your competitive window where you want to be there. Uh, it's, I'm sure Sean will have a lot more to say about it tomorrow, but uh, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous that you have to have, uh, you know, an amateur goalie on the bench in an NHL game for a team with Stanley cup aspirations, yeah. you know, starting the game, right. That that's the plan because a, the rules in place don't allow you to bring an emergency call up until you play at least, you know, player short for a game. And because that's the situation, you just haven't accrued enough cap space because you've really wanted to get all these guys up. Uh, you know, Jim Nill always likes to have a plan B, C, and D, which, you know, is a good thing when you need it. The weird thing is, though, the last couple of years, the Stars have been more or less pretty healthy, so they haven't needed those guys. And so they ha that using up all that cap space hasn't actually benefited them that much because they haven't needed those extra guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is fascinating, but at the same time, then I fight myself because I'm like, boy, Duchesne has to stick around. I mean, him in this uh, Well, that, that's a whole other question. If you resign yeah. Matt Duchesne, that's a whole other question. He's you know going to be 33 in January. That that's a question about what is Matt Duchesne and what Matt Duchesne will be. You know, he's playing for a contract this year also. So the critics yeah. might say that you know how much do you want to bet that that's the Matt Duchesne you'll get, not the one that got you know run out of town a little bit or uh, you know ran himself out of town if you want to if you want to see it that way I, I don't and i truly don't think we have the answer to that but that's where you know i'm going to defer to craig ludwig on this one and say yeah it's a long season uh, <laughs> jim nill's not going to make that decision you know just yet right i remember with the jason spezza contract it was like yeah. a month into the season and they signed that crazy four-year deal yeah seven and a half million yeah uh, and you know maybe that was something that was planned already and they just waited to announce it who knows but yeah this seems like you know, maybe you'll get another year or two. That's that's pretty good out of a deal like that. But the back end of it is going to be pretty rough. So let's just uh, take our time. There's if Joe Pavelski can wait for a while to resign, Matthew Shane can wait too. Yeah, yeah. Now we are a couple months from the trade deadline, and those that listen to Spits and Suds uh, have known that one of the names that I've mentioned, um, if Seattle continues the way they're going, um, they would be out of playoff contention. Adam Larson is an interesting right-handed defenseman. I thought he played really well tonight. Yeah. Um, he's a just a sturdy blue liner. You're not going to get a ton of offense out of him, but he, he's there for you on defense. Pair him with Miro. There's your right, left. Mm -hmm. um, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah. That said, you know, I kind of like for now, like I hope they experiment more uh, with uh, the Thomas Harley and Miro pairing. Yeah, Uh <laughs> The Thomas Harley thing, it's kind of tough, right? Because even though, you know, they're both left-handed, Harley and Miro do do great things together, right? They, yeah. they really do. They're both great skaters. You know, they're, they're, there's a reason that Thomas Harley is already the default second option in overtime uh, for, in terms of defensemen. If you go with the two forward, one defenseman look, he's that good. And as we saw tonight, right, he's aggressive. He's able to make those plays. He's smart enough, too. It's not just about the fact that he can skate well. It's not just about his size. It's that he knows what's going on. He sees the ice well for a young defenseman. 
And so his instincts tonight, yeah, you're caught low going right to the net there. You're the sixth man of the six skaters out there. Uh, you're six, sixth furthest away from your own goal. But he knows instinctively right there, nah, I got to go to the net. I got to bust the net there. And Duchesne creates space, as he did all night, just created yeah. space, stick handling, chopping the puck up, and then waited, 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 found the seam, and Harley was there. So, yes, Harley's the sort of player who can play with Miro, but we saw in the playoffs last year the Stars need two pairings that they can rely on. And Harley has shown he can carry a pairing. I mean, he played in this game alone. He played with just about, he played at least a shift or two with every defenseman, I think, except for Essel Lindell. That's been yeah. the case for a few games now where Harley, A, because it's either Lundquist or Hanley and you want to shelter them a little bit. And B, because Harley can can play with Suter if you need to, you know, if Miro's coming off a power play or something. Harley can play with Hawk and Paw because he's mobile enough to, to have that pairing still work pretty well and to cover up for, for Hawk and Paw. So you really want him on a second pairing Adam Larson would be a great fit for Miro. He skates well enough to, to not, you know, force Miro to have to do too much. He's right-handed, so you have Miro on his strong side, uh, which everyone seems to seems to really want to want to talk about, you know, being of benefit to Miro. I think it is a benefit. I don't know how much because, you know, who knows? We haven't seen it enough. But, uh, yeah. yeah, if he can do it, the question is how, right? What would Seattle want? And everyone's going to want Adam Larson just like everyone wants Chris Tanev right now. So the yeah. cost is going to be high. Yeah, the cost is going to be high, especially since Larson has one more year left on his deal as well. So mm -hmm. that comes at a heftier price tag. And, and you did mention Yanni Hockenpah. Um, do want to point out, plays very well shorthanded situations. Obviously, the team's good at shorthanded, but five on five. I mean, clearly, uh, Miss Q ended up in a Seattle goal tonight. And mm -hmm. whew, that's just a, that's a tough one right now. Yeah. Well, and again, you saw this in the playoffs last year where the good when when you're able to use him in the spots you want him in, which tend to be the spots where he's not having to touch the puck too much. Uh, he's, he's good. Like he understands well positionally, you know, what, what he needs to do in his zone. He, he's pretty good. Uh, he's not going to be someone who's going to help you create stuff in the offensive zone. He's not necessarily going to be great in transition either. He, he is kind of uh, good at a couple of things and they're all in the defensive zone. The problem is those are all things that are about mitigating damage as opposed to creating uh, for your team, you know, we have, like Thomas Harley can do that, but he can also get the puck going the right way. He can see lanes, he can jump up on the rush and, and you know, contribute to to good chances, if not goals sometimes too. Where So there's nothing wrong with having limited players. You need them, you know, in, in the bottom half of your blue line. But uh, the real question is, you know, if he's going to be on your second pairing, then you don't get to choose who he's out there against nearly yeah. as much as you do if he's if he's you know in the Joel Hanley role, right? Which is really where he's been for most of his career. It's only when he came to Dallas that he started turning into a second pairing defenseman out of necessity. So you, I, I think the road to success isn't necessarily you know uh, benching him or anything like that that people say, but it's being able to use him where you want to. But Dallas's blue line just doesn't allow them the ability to do that because you've got defensemen the coach wants to shelter even more uh, behind him. So he's going to end up taking a lot of the second pairing minutes until you find, until you find a better solution. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, clearly Jake Ottinger's the one of this team, and Jake Ottinger's top 10 goalie in this league. You know, did struggle before the injury a bit, but 
Um, there is a semblance of calmness, I feel, when watching the games and Wedgwood in net. Um, the familiarity is one with his teammates, but at the same time, you know, I think his uh, control of rebounds has been tremendous. I, you know, I think his angles have been really good. Um, I, I think he's really played well under duress, um, you know, injured tonight, stayed in the game. Uh, took one right off the shoulder blade, it seemed. So mm-hmm. I, I think overall, you know, Wedgwood has played well, and it's good to hear that Ottinger might not be out as long as you mentioned, you know, a few months. But at the same time, you know, a healthy Scott Wedgwood really is making a difference on this team. Man, how much would uh, how much would Ken Hitchcock have paid for Scott Wedgwood in 2017, 2018? Right? Yeah. <laughs> when all he had was kind of a, a psyched-out Kari Lettinen. Uh, yeah. waiting behind Ben Bishop and you oh, know, that was stretch, right. it just wasn't enough. This is exactly the sort of goalie at 2014-15, right? When they had that rotation of like UC Rennes and Anders Lindback and all those guys. Yeah, uh, good point. They got a couple other, you know, random guys just to try to plug that hole because they knew they needed a reliable backup, just a league average backup, right? And that's what Scott Wedgwood has been to his great credit. He's been, he's been able to come in and be a goalie that's not going to lose you the game, right? And sometimes yeah. he's even been better than that, which is great. But that's really the ideal sort of backup, one who can handle, you know, his first game, right? They, they mentioned it on the broadcast tonight, his first game against Carolina last season, right after they acquired him, he faced like 50 shots or something like that. And the Stars won yeah, yeah. a crazy game. And yeah. that kind of set the set the tone, I think, for his time in Dallas. He's He'll, he'll weather whatever you throw at him, and he's still going to be more or less putting up a game back there, which is, yeah. you know any any good nhl team you can you can win with goalies like that just ask chris osgood you you can win with goalies like that i, I mean the playbook's out just find the goalie that's playing for arizona and get him <laughs> and then all of a sudden <laughs> i mean scott wedgwood with the coyotes and aiden hill with the coyotes aiden hill yep yeah i mean amazing stories yeah and then aiden hill goes it's one step further it's not just the coyotes it's like okay i'm going to go play for the san jose sharks <laughs> and then all of a sudden i'm going to show up you know, with Vegas based on injuries, and I'm going to become their star netminder. I keep waiting Sports. for Aiden Hill to cool down. And this season, he's I am still one of the best goalies in the league this season. It's crazy. So I, uh, I completely agree. It helps to have that decor in front of you. But at the sure. same time, I mean, every time I say that, he makes really good saves. And he's mm-hmm. got that, like, you know, similar to Ottinger and Ben Bishop. He's just a yeah. big, big kid. Yep. So, I mean, that obviously, uh, you know, help, helps out a lot. So stars winning overtime, exciting uh, till Thursday. Wow. Going to be a good one. I'm excited about this one. Vancouver comes to town, a rematch earlier this year. Uh, stars outplayed five on five in Vancouver. That was just a tough one. Um, Hughes at the defense, you know, I mean, just Besser, you got a lot of good players, you know, Tockett's got that team playing really, really well. So, you know, I'm excited to see because, you know, one thing I've said on this podcast, Robert, is I want to see at the end of the day, a buildup of wins against quality opponents. Not that Seattle is not a, you know, a good team, but right now they're fringe playoff at best. But, you know, when I looked at the season as a whole and I started to go back into the schedule, I'm like, okay, what are the quality wins? Turns out two against Winnipeg's really quality, uh, the way Winnipeg's been playing. Kudos to Bonus and crew. Wow. No one saw that coming. Um, And the New York Rangers. So those are my three quality wins this year. So it would be nice, especially on home ice, you know, to, to pull something off Thursday. 
Yeah, winning against Vancouver is also, you know, just a, that little bit uh, more important for the Stars, yes. both because of a little bit of playoff history back, you know, going way back to like 2007, but especially for Tom Gillardi uh, and his history with the with the ownership with Aquilini Group over over in Vancouver, and him being from Vancouver too, uh, and, and of course Jamie Benn being being from BC as well. Uh, there's a lot of it's always a fun tilt against Vancouver. Um, but yeah, they, they have a lot to prove still this season. Uh, it's funny. They've come in with kind of, everyone was finally saying, okay, the stars are a cup favorite. This is their year. They, they showed, you know, they could go toe to toe with Vegas for the most part until things went awry in that series. And we're still waiting, right? We're still waiting for them to really put together that run. They've, they've been better than not for, for the season, right? They've been finding ways to pile up points and, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. It's a long season. So you really what you don't want to do is hit, hit your stride in November, December, and then, you know, you're, you're banged up and cooled down by, by April. So maybe they're just biding their time, but uh, now would be a good time, right? January is going to be here pretty soon. And uh, stars need to start rolling, start feeling like a team. You know, this game is a good example of, of kind of the danger of that mentality lasting for too long, right? They were leading yep. this game the entire night. Yep. They, it's a lot like the Seattle series uh, back, back in the spring, right? They were the better team for the most part, for most of the game. Um, they, they really should have won this in regulation. They had any of those power plays. You score one power play goal, you win this game in regulation. You don't give up a fluky goal in the last minute, right? You're just a little better at defending in the zone. You win that game in regulation. They they might find themselves really regretting their playoff matchup. Uh, you know, they'll say they don't care. I get it. They'll say they don't care. But, uh, you know, it, you, you want to face the, the stronger teams later and, and hope that your work gets taken care of uh, for, for a long playoff prolonged playoff run you want to hope that someone else wears down the other teams before they get to you right um yeah. and uh vancouver will be a good good test thatcher demko isn't quite as otherworldly as he was earlier right. but uh they're they're a good team the game means a lot so you'd think with a couple days off now that they'll be able to get up for that one and uh and really start to start to get in the role uh or not again wedgwood's still going to be a net so so who yep. knows yep and there was a play toward the end of the game that's not going to be on the stat sheet yanni gord runs into scott wedgwood Hmm. Um, the replay showed, you know, he did try to hold up, um, you know, you could clearly see snow was coming up from the ice. Yanni Gord plays that way. He goes hard. Um, as you know, we were talking about before we started this podcast is, you know, uh, stars fans on Twitter, Yanni Gord's dirty. Also, everyone wants Yanni Gord on the team. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he just he's just one of those guys. And you know, I mean, and I don't mean any disrespect, but I just think he's a more talented Antoine Roussel. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, who's not going to take as many penalties and is gonna score you some goals. Um, yep. you know, kind of before Brad um Brad Marchand of the Bruins um just became that electrifying scorer. Brad Marchand yeah. was that guy mm -hmm. that would get under your skin. Doesn't yep. do it as much as he used to, but you know, he was that guy mm -hmm. and now he's kind of got a different role with the Bruins. So I like those guys on my team because when you're having a down night, Yanni Gord's are going to try to electrify you. But what I also want to point out was, you know, it happened and immediately there was a scrum and you want to see that from your team. You want that mentality of, you can't do that to my goaltender. 
you can't get near my goaltender like that. So, but it wasn't enough to draw a penalty for the stars, but I do like the intensity going over yeah. and sending that message. And that's good too. That shows, you know, they had, they saved kind of their energy for, for the right moments in a lot of, in a lot of ways in this game, a uh, Sagan had that play where he saved a goal too. After yes. That fluky bounce where he was able yeah. to dive. And I think that might, was that Gord too? I can't remember who it was, or maybe it was Tolvin, Tolvin uh, but Sagan dove and just, just deflected the puck. They saved their desperation without getting foolish. Again, they they got the better of the power play totals uh, at the end of this this game, including the the six on five goal that they had. So the stars were pretty smart in this one. Uh, again, they they should have won the game. They put themselves in position to. Yeah. But you know, you get the two points. The team's in a different division. Probably won't end up mattering that Seattle got an extra point out of this game. So you know, all's well that ends well, especially in a a bit of a, a weird kind of back and forth game like this one. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about how Duchesne makes people better, but at the same time, you know, we can't forget about Tyler Sagan mm-hmm. and how well he's, you know, playing on that line as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's good to see. I know they have a relationship off the ice and, you know, that's, that's always good. I believe they're off season workout buddies or somehow they, they Duchesne and Sagan know each other pretty well. So, you know, I, I do like to say it because one thing we're not really talking about is that Sagan contract anymore. I mean, that was just like a, that was a podcast daily that we were talking about with the, was the Ben and Sagan contract. And we really haven't mentioned it lately. It, it makes a big difference. You know, the players are always say, you know, it doesn't matter who I play with, you know, it's my responsibility to, to, you know, have my game in the right shape and all that stuff. But uh, you, you notice it with Sagan, this game, especially he was skating really well. And, and, you know, again, he's, he's had a lot of injuries and stuff. He's not, he's not 24 anymore, but he being able to keep up with Duchesne on that first goal, being able to make those passes and receive them and see those really tiny passing lanes back and forth like that on that two on one uh, past Alexiak. Um, and side note, it was, it's nice to see Alexiak uh, get, getting victimized on a two on one for a different team <laughs> instead of all the times he seemed to get victimized for Dallas. Uh, you know, no disrespect, no disrespect. Yeah, I understand. But, you I understand. Know. You know, uh, it's always for someone who was as highly touted as he was, you know, he when the stars didn't have any prime defensive prospects, they thought in the system, you know, 10 years ago. And he was supposed to be the next guy. He never quite got there. Unfair expectations. Whatever. You know, good for him. He's he's got a good contract. He's he's had a nice NHL career. Good for him. It's cool to see that work out. But yes, you notice it with Sagan uh, playing with a player like, you know, even Marchman. Marchman's talented, right? He's flawed. He's flawed. And he's not quite the skater that, that, that to be fair, that, that Sagan or Duchesne are. But Sagan and Duchesne, I really think Duchesne has has upped Sagan's game. And and Sagan also is, you know, someone that Duchesne can pass to and knows this guy is just as just as much of a threat as I am, which forces the defense, it keeps the defense honest too. So yeah. it's been it, yeah, it's good it, for both of them. And one thing we'll dive into as Vancouver comes here. I mean, we talk about, you know, how good Quinn Hughes is and you know, a likely, obviously, Norris fa- favorite right now. And you know, the, the offense they have JT Miller's back to his good ways. Patterson mm-hmm. having a good year. Um, just, you know, they, they have really good players, but one thing that they did that kind of flew under the radar stars couldn't do it based on caps restraints, but getting Nikita Zadorov and pairing him with Tyler Myers, I think that's going to be really interesting in the playoffs. That is a massive defensive pairing. So you have Quinn Hughes, but there's also some toughness and they also picked up Ian Cole. So a lot more toughness with that Vancouver Canucks team this year. Yeah. Toughness, uh, especially on defense is something where I think a lot of it, uh, it it's dependent on a lot of things because you can, we saw it with, you know, the, the ducks used to be known for this, right? They'd take lots of penalties, but they were big and mean all over the ice. Uh, I think Vegas is a good example of how you have to marry toughness with skill in today's NHL for it to really be effective. 
you you can uh, you know Ian Cole is going to seem tough and intimidating if the rest of the team is forcing you to go through Ian Cole or forcing you to have to retrieve pucks against the end board with Ian Cole. If they're not fast enough through the neutral zone, you're able to build up more speed. Ian Cole's never going to get there. And yeah. so you're going to beat him to the puck. So yes, he he can be intimidating and, and you know, to, to a lesser degree, some of the other ones, Tyler Myers too, he's one who's, who's kind of struggled, right? He's not going to live up to that contract, but he's right. looking a lot better this, this year. Now that you have someone like Sidorov who can skate a little bit better and, and force you to kind of go into the areas that Myers can defend really well and yeah. vice versa too, to be fair. I mean, it's a, it's a five man game more than ever these days, uh, but it's, it's a big deal um, that you have someone else on your pairing or on your line, or even, you know, in the five man group who forces the other team to take lanes they don't want to, because every player's almost every player has limitations. Um, but those limitations start to disappear when the other players are covering up the lanes you need them to cover up for you. Yeah, and the other thing about Zadorov, you know, we talk about on ice, but off the ice, really good room guy. Calgary hated to lose him. I was watching Hockey Night in Canada, and the players, you know, they were happy for him, but at the same time, tough to lose him out of the locker room. He brings a lot of personality into that room. He does uh, bring personality. He, he does, does, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But he he goes around a bunch of different teams too. I mean, he asked yeah. for a trade out of Calgary, kind of, or his agent did, or whatever. I yeah. mean, it's uh, yeah. There's you know, everyone always says, well, there's a reason he doesn't stick with the team, and I who knows, right? But there's probably right. a lot more. Only the guys in the room really know what it's like there. But there's a reason, right? There's a reason a bunch of teams wanted him. They're talking to the same people we are, so you know, or they're talking to the same people we hear from on the yeah. outside, um, and they hear a lot more. So obviously, it's very much like branding. Like like Brandon cooks in for the Cowboys, Robert, mm. where he gets traded all the time. And we actually asked Brandon cooks on one Oh five, three, the fan. And he's like, I have no idea. <laughs> he's like, I really have no idea. I try to be a good person. And like, everyone says how great of a guy he is. And yet he goes from team to team to team. Mm -hmm. And it's not like he's signing as a free agent. It's just trades, but he's like, I'm happy here. So, yeah. you know, I, I, it, it's just sometimes uh, I guess that, I guess that happens. Well, you are a popular guy, Robert, because uh -oh. We have a that, lot that of never players. that's never good. What no, what happened now? No, no, we have a lot of Twitter questions, stars fans responding. Maybe it's because it was an exciting win. However, if you're listening right now, don't hesitate. Go to go to X Twitter at Robert Tiffin. Let's build his follower base. Um, because Robert's bringing it tonight and he brings it on Twitter. Some really good stars analytics to follow. I'm telling you, the guys we have on Spits and Suds, I love promoting them. Uh, Sean Shapiro, David Castillo, Robert Tiffin, D Magazine's bringing it. Uh, in fact, at Crow Wi-Fi says, I can't wait. Love Robert's input. In fact, my dog's starting to bark in the background because he likes you as well. Yeah. Um, at Alan Brown 2023, do you think, Robert and Gavin, the Stars buy out Ryan Suter to re-sign Dutch? Uh, you know, I mean, maybe, but Dutch yeah. Duchesne's going to need a lot more money than you're going to save by by buying out Suter. Yeah. So yeah. I, that, I honestly, I don't actually think those two questions are too connected. And I also, more and more, I I'm kind of doubting that Jim Nill is going to buy him out, both because he doesn't want to do that to a veteran, and because with this D group, at least right now, as as this D group is, you it would not be responsible given how the coaches are using the defenseman, you can't really responsibly get rid of Ryan Suter if you don't have a replacement waiting. And, you know, Leon Bixel is is great and all, but you you can't ask a kid to come in and be a pillar of your defense in yep. the way, you know, right or wrong, that's how Suter gets used by DeBoer. So you, you what, what are you going to do if Bixel comes in and then doesn't earn DeBoer's trust, you know, 
uh, and then you have an even thinner defense group, right? Again, no one's saying Suter is the optimal option by far. <laughs> I, I've been saying that for a while that this isn't, again, you want, he's also a player in the playoffs we saw against Vegas that needed a little bit more sheltering against a, a big heavy team like that. But uh, there's a lot, there are a lot more questions to be answered, I guess. If you want to get in like the cap specifics and everything that they could do, you can have a whole lot of fun trying to buy people out, move money around and trade your bad players to other teams for good things. But, you know, the, it's it's going to be trickier than that, and I, I think the trade deadline is when you're going to really see see the pieces get moved that'll answer those questions for us. So that's a total cop out, but I think it's probably less likely uh, that Suter gets bought out at this point unless he really falls off for the second half of the season or the playoffs. I think they're going to ride him out for that last year of the contract, just given who they have right now. But that could change. Yeah, yeah, and I, I just don't think the buyout brings enough in yeah. return. Um, yeah, I mean, last I, I year think, they would have gotten more, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Again, who do you have to replace him, right? So yeah, no, you, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, okay, uh, Green Bay of Texas, love that name. Uh, at what point do we see Harley's time on ice eclipse suitors? Also, so thankful we landed Duchesne this off season. Absolutely on the second part, but it is interesting. I mean, I think we are seeing, you know, Thomas Harley, you know the the time on ice is increasing. Obviously his role with the uh, team is increasing as well. Yeah. He, uh, you know, it's interesting as much as people talk about, you know, Alexiak being like the, the best partner that Miro's had. And that might be true. I don't know. Um, I, I kind of go back and forth on that. And, you know, if that is true, then poor, then poor Haskinen. Um, But, uh, but Alexiak had like the fifth, he was like fifth in, in even strength ice time tonight. He's even, even unseen, he's doing well on, the, the coach loves him. You know, he's going to be there for a long time. This is not a top top pair guy or even a top four guy when it comes down to it. Alexiak is is more in that kind of, you know, Yanni Hockenpah kind of type yeah. place. Top four, but really he's he's a third pairing if if you want because he has some limitations. Um, and I think I think Thomas Harley is kind of the reverse of that, where you you want to keep his minutes down as much as you can because there's always a temptation to you know he was he was right behind Suter in, in ice time tonight you know for for second on the team behind Haskinen. I mean he's been that good, and the coaches are gonna we saw in the playoffs last year right DeBoer trusted him almost instantly because he showed he deserved it. So I'm not worried about his ice time climbing; it'll climb up naturally. Uh, yeah. We saw it last year. I think you already kind of can see what the coaches are going to do right now. It's more about managing it. And again, if you know, Lindell and Hockenpah are going to play two minutes on every penalty kill, like they've been doing more or less for the right. last 10, 15 games. Hey, if it's working and, and Ottinger or Wedgwood are cleaning up behind them, I, I don't know if that's, you know, going to work in the playoffs, but if it saves some wear and tear on players like Harley, then great. Right. The last thing you want is one of them getting banged up because they're out there, you know, killing a penalty in a five, one game or something like that. So yeah, I, I actually think it's fine right now. Absolutely. And for our newer Spits and Suds listeners, um, because I like to at times to stop and say, okay, this is what it means. TOI is time on ice and you can find it, you know, right in most box scores. And it's really important for a couple of reasons. The more you're on the ice, the more valuable you are on the team, the more the coaches trust you. And let me give an example. As far as stars defensemen on the ice tonight, Miro led the way 27 minutes, 10 seconds. Ryan Suter, 21-12. But then look, Thomas Harley is at 20-20, so really close. Essa Lindell, 19-55. Yanni Hockenpah, 18-10. Now, we, we, we talked about how Joel Hanley's playing well and had a good game tonight, but I just read you all those time on ice. Nine minutes, 37 seconds on the ice for mm -hmm. Joel Hanley. They protect him. Yeah. So he, they, he doesn't do kill really penalties either, which yeah. really hurts. I mean, that's, 
That's why in an ideal world, someone like Hawkenpaw would be a perfect third pairing defense, which he effectively was tonight when, when all was said and done, um, especially because of the three on three. But that's that's where you want a player like Hawkenpaw because he can help you on special teams. I mean, it's kind of like fourth line forwards, right? The ideal depth forward is someone who can help you maybe on your second power play or your penalty killing unit. Um, and then, you know, you can trust him enough to, to roll him out there every fourth shift uh, at even strength. Um, but, but Hanley isn't really trusted, you know, they'll play him on the penalty kill if the people in the box or whatever, but you know, he doesn't have the reach of some bigger players, which coaches really like in the penalty kill to shut down lanes. Um, he's not particularly quick either. So he's not really going to, you know, skate himself out of trouble or, or get to pucks first. So he's not really a great option, uh, that coaches want to go to on the penalty kill. So, so in a game like this, especially in the third period, finding him minutes is just something that's not going to be a priority, especially when you have Thomas Harley that you can rotate with a bunch of other partners to to still keep the pairings going. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, at damn it, Jason, <laughs> Jason Uh-oh. says, I would like to know what Italian mm-hmm. Gurianov thinks about the AHL. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for, for perspective, um, 22 games for Dennis Gurianov with the Milwaukee admirals, uh, 22 games, 21 points. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's, you know, Dennis Kiryanov is Dennis Kiryanov. His, his skills are his skills. Uh, and he's, he's good at the things he's good at. And, you know, he's the, the handful of times that I've, that I've spoken with him, I found him to be a quiet, very nice guy yep. who's probably, you know, it, it, imagine being a first round pick in that draft, uh, in what was it? 2014, I think, or 2015, no, 2015. Yeah. I can't remember. I think it was 2015 because Honka was 2014. Uh, first round pick in that draft, right? They passed up Barzal, Kyle Connor, all these guys, uh, and pick you. And all the expectations constantly are on you. I mean, that's that's a tough position to be in. Um, yeah. Uh, good for Dennis Kirianov. He's gonna. He's a great hockey player. He's gonna have yeah. a career playing professional hockey for a long time. You know, good for him. It's too bad it didn't work out in Dallas. It's too bad yeah. it apparently isn't gonna work out in Nashville. But uh, you know. Who knows? He could. Is he's still relatively young? We've seen yeah. players like this revive their careers before. It'd be a. It'd be a super special to see him. See him yeah. do that. I think it's a great point. How you said and Sean's echoed your sentiments that he's had several conversations with, with Dennis and really really nice. Dennis um, hired a tutor to learn to speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis wanted to come and play the North American game and learn it. So as you know. He tried to do everything right. And sometimes athletes, it just doesn't happen, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't want Dennis Guriano, yeah. from my perspective, being the butt of every joke because, well, you know, And I, you want to be careful. He has a law degree too. So you don't want to libel him either. I mean, you'll get in trouble. <laughs> and, and, and I raised my hand. I whiffed on that one. I watched yeah. him in world juniors playing for team Russia. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that guy was a rocket down the wing. So yeah. with a rocket of a shot and he did score one of the biggest goals in Dallas stars history. So, yeah, yeah. I'll never, yeah. you know, you always have those memories, right? It's like, yeah, Joel Kiviranta, right. You don't have to, you oh yeah. You don't have to see him as good or bad or, or you know, a bust or a success. I mean, you right. enjoy the good stuff. You know, he's got some pretty good NHL memories already, and he's still he's still a lot younger than all of us. So good for him. Yeah. At Sportia underscore Meteor says bargain signing of the entire league, meaning Duchesne in the offseason. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, great job by uh, Jim Nil convincing that because many teams were after uh, after Matt Duchesne you know, accepted a discount. Granted, he was bought out of Nashville. So he had a little, 
he had the bag already, so to speak. Um, all right. At cause Rudy, Rudy says, hate to hand a point to the Kraken. Happy to take both points. Need the offense to pick it up and not just flash for a period, but for the entire 60 minutes. It's, a, it's an interesting point. I mean, I don't know. I didn't necessarily see overall like we've seen as far as that stars roller coaster through three periods i thought you know each period i thought they played you know good i i thought that was the first period i thought they were terrific i think it's again it comes back to the the top line you know it's gonna have its ebbs and flows uh and i i think the hope is still that the top line will kind of get get hot for a while and and go crazy like we've seen they're capable of doing they're also still piling up points which it's not nothing they're just not quite dominating the nhl so they've set a really high bar for themselves but really i mean look at it this way they're up you know three two if they score a power play the third period they go up four two you know that makes it more likely they score an empty net goal right with a two goal lead they pulled the goalie earlier uh, this could have been a 5-2 game where you say, wow, Duchesne scored a bunch, the power play chipped in, they had the 6-on-5 goal, everything's great. So it's that fine uh, uh, margin between, you know, oh, everything's wrong or the offense is scuffling, this isn't a complete game, and feeling like it's a wonderful game. So, yes, there's stuff to fix in the power play. We, uh, you know, they they insist on continuing to to bomb shots from the point or try to wing things into traffic from, from the sides, and, and, you know, there's probably a lot of reasons for that. But... Uh, if the power play just just chips in one again, just like the Seattle series in the spring, I keep harping on it. Just just a little bit from the power play, and that's enough in this game to turn it from you know, oh man, had to go to overtime versus oh that was a really dominant win against a team they should beat. So I don't know. I find I, it's I'm not worried. I'm still not. Yeah, worried. yeah. Uh, Rupert at Odysseus fourteen ninety one. When should we begin discussing Matt Duchesne's extension, Rupert? Uh, Robert and others will not allow me to talk about it. So <laughs> even though my name's on the podcast, I'm not allowed to talk about it. S- submit a full brief with all of the cap implications yes. for the next five years. And I'll get back to you. <laughs> As Sean says, that's a may topic. So <laughs> we'll leave that for may for now until I do a podcast by myself and then I'll mention it. So keep, keep listening, Rupert, and we'll get it in just when nobody's, uh, nobody's looking. Yeah. I suppose I can't stop you then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my man, Jordan H at Harper hockey fan. Gotta love Thomas Harley's awareness and overtime. Heck yeah. What an amazing place to keep possession leading to the goal. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was absolutely terrific. I mean, this game was almost over. Um, I mean, they spent how many, you know, a whole shift. Robertson spent the whole first shift just trying to enter the offensive zone and regrouping. And finally, he just changed and said, this isn't working. They spent like a minute doing it. Then they lose the puck and, you know, shot off the post. Another scoring chance, I think a two-on-one was the first chance Seattle had. Seattle had every chance to win this game. And again, if that shot off the post by Veneers goes in, it's a whole different narrative. But instead, uh, instead, right, Harley and Duchesne turned something something pretty magical out and – and yeah, I mean, you always want your local team to win, but sometimes when a player's on the ice and geez, tonight I was like, Oh my goodness, Matty Beneers is good. <laughs> yeah. Which is cool. Cause he's, he's had that sophomore. I mean, it's a good reminder for Wyatt yeah. Johnson too, who's also yeah. struggling that, you know, the, the, the player's still the player, right? No, nothing right. hasn't changed. Uh, nothing's yeah. changed. Veneers hasn't changed. Johnson also, also almost won it in, in overtime too. Right. And kudos to the coaching staff, right? He's not getting, you know, stashed in the fourth line or something like they're doing over in Columbus where, you know, the good players aren't, or the good young players aren't producing up to the coach's standards. Johnson's still doing a lot of things. Well, he always will. It's why the stars loved him and drafted him. Um, And he's still getting chances in overtime. That's always a big thing to me when a coach is willing to give young players like Harley 
or Johnston. Uh, even earlier in the season, I think Lundquist was getting some chances in overtime. And regardless of how everything shook out now, you know, credit to the coaching staff for for being willing to trust these players and for someone like Harley having the confidence to know I can try something in overtime. It's not just about don't get caught low, right? It's 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 really cool to see young players like that having the guts and and the confidence of their coaches to to take risks like that in smart situations and yep. have them be rewarded for it. No, you're absolutely right. And you talk about slumps. I mean, Pedersen, who comes in Thursday, I know it's weird because Vancouver is kind of like the, the Yankees are a large market team. So they're talking hockey all the time, but they were down on Pedersen for a while mm-hmm. and uh, no longer down. Boy, that draft, when you look back at it, Robert. <laughs> woo, That was pretty stocked. That yeah. one, I mean, we're going to be talking about that one. Like, oh, I can't remember what it was in the 2000, it was like 2002 or something like that, 2003, where they just, you know, ridiculous amount of talent or something like that. Yeah. That was a good one. Yep. Except Philadelphia. Well, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, let's see. Uh, K-Twiz checks in. Hey, K-Twiz, very simple question. Why is Ryan Suter still a part of this team and still on the ice? He's a defensive liability and all of Stars Nation knows this. Well, as Robert has correctly pointed out, I mean, you know, he's definitely not the worst and they don't have anyone to replace. Him. He also fed Robertson for a great breakaway, uh, yeah. in, in, you know, partway through the game. I mean, again, I think Ryan Suter's flaws and limitations at this point in his career have been well covered. Everyone's aware of them. We saw him in the playoffs last year. I, I'm I, look, I was one of his most vocal critics, uh, you know, after he first came here and it's, you know, it's typical, right? The veteran just gets all this trust and it seems like he's coasting on his laurels a little bit to a fan, right? From a fan perspective. And so every, every mistake he makes or apparently lazy play, you want to jump on him, but it's clear how the coaches are going to use him. It's clear that the coaches are also aware that he has some limitations too. So I just don't think there's, there's much point being too worried. The coaches are aware of what he is and what he isn't. And they also don't have any better options right now. So it, I'm, I'm not too worried. I think over the long haul, uh, things are going to work out the way they need to work out. Tyler Mayer at Marican, great uh, Twitter username. So you signed Duchesne to an extension as soon as he's eligible, right? Not that's, allowed to talk about it, Tyler. Right. Yes. That's a good way to pay the highest possible market value for him. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, you know, once again, I just want people to realize you have Maverick Bork and Stankoven, and you have to find space for these guys at some point, and you have to free up space for trade deadline possibilities in the future. So, I mean, you know, maybe he'll accept a Pavelski deal. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Here's, uh, here's if you want to really get crazy talking about yeah, talking about I love getting crazy. Trading, Talk to me. They would never do this, right? They would never do this. But there's a world in which the Stars know they need cap space, and they, they have, you know, Bork and Stankoven, and they say you know what what are the really valuable chips that we do have and they start looking at trading someone like again they won't do this right you don't do this right as a gm this is how you lose your job but how much would other teams pay for duchene right now how how what about trading him to fix your defensive problems again with the top line scuffling you can't do it it'd be stupid right you'd get fired as a gm if you do this but duchene is so valuable right now it's a one-year contract uh, Jim Nill probably wouldn't do it too because that, you know, Duchesne signed here on a sweetheart deal, right? And Jim Nill usually does right by players like that in those situations. But in a perfect world, if you're playing a video game, there's a world in which you trade Duchesne to fix your your defensive problems right now. Yeah. And trust that, that you know, Maverick Bork, I would say, uh, you bring him up on that second line with, with Sagan and Marchment. And, yeah. and you just kind of hope that you, you actually don't lose too much. Again, you would. Duchesne's been incredible this year. But 
there's there's a world, right? There's a fantasy world out there in, in where the assets in a vacuum, you would want to try to use them for something like that because you've got the forward prospects uh, ready to play in the top six, or at least you'd like to see them do that. But you need help on the blue line, and boy, that's a crazy way you could try to do it. But no. won't happen. But I mean, you could be a team and you go to the stars and say, "You need cap relief. Let me get, let me grab one of your players." Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what Colorado had to get rid of. True. You know, we saw that tonight. The the issue there is the stars are already pretty light on draft picks for the next couple of yes, drafts, absolutely. both for like players like the Nemestikov trade a couple of years ago and other yep. things. Um, so there are, I think they only have like four or five picks in the next two drafts. So yeah. Nils kind of light unless you're trading, you know, 2026, 27 draft picks. Yeah. That, that gets trickier. So again, it'll be really interesting to see what they do with the trade deadline. And that, that is the currency that teams want. They want yep. picks. Yep. And they uh, want them sooner. They want them now to help rebuild now. They don't want them. In yeah. Three years from yeah. Now. Uh, Thackman checks in at Thackman 05. Do you think this team will be able to get on a real winning streak even without Otter during his injury? Also, do you think it will make the GM possibly think about having a little extra money in the future to bring up a goalie if one goes down? I have to say this, Stars fans, your questions are on point. I mean, that's that's what's so cool about love doing spits and suds. It's like you're asking about Duchesne. You're asking about, you know, things like this as far as freeing up cap space. Like, I love the education level of these questions. So, uh, to answer your question, I think it needs to be done. Um, at some point you have to give yourself some cap flexibility. Um, you know, at the same time, I think they look at the window and say, you know, we're going for it. This is the time. What I love about this team is the window's not closing. The window is now, but you have a next wave coming through and you don't see that in sports. Usually it's the windows now and you trade away all your prospects so that you can further enhance that window. So I'm, I'm excited about, you know, what's coming up because I mean, I think Bork's the real deal. Stankoven's the real deal. Love Bixel. Um, so, you know, let's answer those two questions real quick, Robert. Um, one with, um, I do think they can get a winning streak going, uh, without Otter. And, um, I am interested to see where nil goes in the future as far as, you know, some cap flexibility. Well, the other thing you could say about the Raddick Fox's scratch tonight is, you know, if you trust that fourth line with Craig Smith, Sam Steele, and, and Ty Delandria, then then Foxa does does solve a lot of that for you, right? That's what would 3.25 or whatever yeah. he's yep. Um that that's a contract you can move out. I think he has a limited no trade. It's he does. Like five teams or something like that. Yeah. So so you can work with that, right? Yeah. Um again, that hurts that hurts. You don't a player that's been there a long time. He's a former first round pick too. Yeah. Um, and you know, big, big part of the team. Good, great guy. Everyone loves Roddick Foxa. Um, a lot of good things to say about him. But uh that's that's you're that limited where that's the sort of player you have to look at moving out if you're gonna try to get cap space because there just aren't a lot of other options there. Uh you know, if you want to keep your team as deep as it is, and depth is a big deal, especially going into the playoffs as we saw last year, you you need those players. So I that's the first name that's gonna come up in terms of players you can trade and players that have money that then would be available. But I, I don't know that you want to trade a player like that right now. That 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 reduces a lot of your margin for error. So yeah. Yep. Some guy named at David Castillo, AC says Roberto. No, I have, I have him muted. So you'll have to read that one too. <laughs> He's going to take full credit for your career. He really it's, is. Isn't he? Okay. Oh, 
Okay, we won't get into it now, but uh, David came on board defending Big D a year after I did. So I was See? the I was the veteran writer. I started in 2014. He started in 2015, and I was the the old grizzled veteran. You know, when he came on board, and then he's you know writing <laughs> writing left and right, and all you know all this. David's wonderful. I love the guy. Um, but don't don't anyone try to tell don't let anyone try to tell you that that he's been around longer. He just he just you know writes more yeah. and, and better and is more popular than I am. But, uh, you know, I mean, I'm the Jordy to his Jamie, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And then he wants to drop the mitts with me saying, I don't have the stones to have Robert Tiffin on. Well, I got the stones well, tonight. Well, he watches UFC. So that's scary enough for me. He I'm does. Yeah, no, he yeah. does. That's great. <laughs> All right. Uh, at Ryan Suter fan at fan Suter. Uh, I like Foxa, but Delhi seems comfortable uh, centering that line with Steele and Smith. If it seems like some sort of external blue line upgrade is needed, cap requirements would require losing someone who on the roster do you think management maybe consider trading? Um, interesting. You did mention Foxa. Mm -hmm. uh, Delandre is a former first round pick, so he might be um, kind of inviting because he, the team that would get him would have control of him because yeah. he is a restricted free agent. So, you know, he's shown glimpses. However, I don't know if I'm a team, if I'm giving up much, yeah. you know, to receive someone that's been a healthy scratch for a lot. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. The stars are in a tough spot. They don't have those super valuable assets. You know, Fox might be valuable. You know, Fox is the type of piece that you get to like bolster your bottom six going into the playoffs. Right. So what player is a playoff team going to give up? You know, you're really like you said earlier with a team like Seattle or someone, or maybe Calgary if they really fall off. You're you're hoping to pick pick those teams clean because they just have to get something right. This is where Jim Nill has shined in the past with like the Patrick Patrick Sharp trade and, and stuff like this, where the teams are limited in their flexibility and they have to get rid of assets. These are the trades Jim Nill likes to make because he can usually you know come out pretty pretty good, and not have to give up too much. But these really big names, it's tougher. You know, it's kind of like the Matt Zuccarello trade where you have to start yeah. giving up at least conditional first round picks when, when you know, they're out there because every team wants players like that. So, yeah, maybe you trade Foxa if you can just to create space because you trust that, you know, maybe you'll shelter a player like Maverick Bork in the fourth line or something like that if you need if you need to, to play him, right? Or he's a black ace for the playoffs or something like that. But, man, I don't know. He's got his work cut out for him. Chris at Masker of Ants asks, what would it take to see both Tanif brothers in Dallas? I know it's wishful thinking, but just curious here. I think all your draft picks for the next four years would do the yeah. would do the trick. I mean, yeah, I saw I saw some quote where someone uh, someone asked him a week or two ago. Uh, I think it was Brandon. Um, have you guys ever tried to like play in the same name, the same city or something like that? And they essentially the response was, oh, yeah, that'd be I mean, it's a hockey player, right? It, yeah, that'd yeah. be kind of cool. I don't know. It, it almost happened one time, but yeah, it'd be kind of cool. So uh, they they'd be up for it, I guess. They don't appreciate yeah. you know be like the Kachuk brothers that maybe can't stand each other sometimes. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, again, assets in cap space. You you have not as many assets as Jim Neal has had, at least not that you really want to trade, right? Unless you want to talk about trading one of Borker Stankoven to try to win a cup right now. Uh, I doubt that he would do that right now. But who yes. Knows? But that's really what you're talking about at that point. There, there really needs to be a deep dive as far as the background on the Tanif brothers and the family, because I mean, both both the Tanifs and the Kachucks, and that's why it's a great question, Chris. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, the word I think of is grit. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, watching the Ottawa Senators the other night against the Stars, 
I'm like, how is this Ottawa team with all this talent? And we saw that they fired their coach today. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the reason why, because my goodness, do the Kachuk brothers just create havoc, whether it's physicality or scoring and their size and their leadership. It's just, um, and then you look at the Tanifs. I mean, they're all over the ice, blocking shots, doing whatever it takes. It's just, you know, I mean, hockey brotherhood is fascinating to me, yeah. you know, and the Ben, Ben brothers are the same. It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, I love hearing the backgrounds and really it's one of the only sports where you see, you know, I don't want to say common, but you do see it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. There, Yeah. The Jamie Jordy connection, you know, I know more about that obviously just because I'm closer to, to that situation than, you know, like the Tanas or the Hughes or, or the Kachucks or something like that. But yeah, there there's, you know, you don't want to say it, right. Cause you're too cool. You're, you're athletes, right. You got to be stoic and everything, but, uh, you know, it's cool. Those moments mean a lot, right? Jordy being on the ice for, for Ben getting that last point to win the Art Ross trophy or Ben Jordy being on the bench, you know, that clip of, of Jordy celebrating and just being, yeah. you know, I, I guarantee if you asked him, he would say that moment was probably cooler than any, any of his personal accomplishments in the NHL, just being there for that moment with his brother. And he said stuff like that a lot. I mean, it, it does mean something, whether or not they say it, you know, beginning to play in the same city, getting to be there for those moments. It's pretty cool. Um, anyone who's got family, you know, understands that feeling probably it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Heck of a run for Jordy Ben too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was, an, it, it, you know, impressive. Um, why did I think he played for the Allen Americans briefly? I guess he did. Uh, he, well, he played at just about every level of professional hockey you can yeah, play he for. Played for the Victoria salmon kigs of the ECHL. For some reason mm-hmm. I thought he was with Allen briefly, but I guess not. Yeah, I mean, undrafted, right? Played his way up through through every level you can imagine. I don't have it in front of me, and you know, you should buy Sean's book and read about it because it's pretty cool. But uh, it, it, yeah, he's one of those players. He carved a hockey career out for himself, um, and and then he, you know, made made a lot of cool moments as a result of it. So yeah. I mean, he scored a penalty shot goal in the NHL. How cool is that? You have no. this depth defenseman who gets a penalty, creates the chance to to get a penalty shot called. Yeah. And then scores on it. I mean, that that's geez, just cool. That's the stuff that keeps you coming back to hockey, right? Yeah, the highlight reels and the superstars, that's all great. But those are the moments I'm always drawn to. You know, players like like the quirky players like Alishemsky. I love moments like that. Yeah. Because they're just those weird parts uh, uh, on the fabric of the game, those weird mm-hmm. patches in the quilt. Uh, and you love telling those stories because unless you were there, you know, those don't get told as often. Right. And... I want to pat myself on the back. He did play for the Allen Americans when, the you, Allen see, Americans I, were when in the you said CHL. that. I thought you were right, but then you yeah, said, yeah. I mean, that's going way back before the ECHL. They were in the CHL, and yeah. Jordy Ben did briefly play, and then he, you know, from there became a Texas star, and yeah. and and the rest is uh, history. Okay, at Robert Tiffin, and then if you see any of his articles on D Magazine, just keep pressing the button, and just get those clicks up, right? So we tell those editors at D magazine that Robert Tiffin is for real, but, but follow him. He's got great analytical data. Um, It's just, it's, it's really impressive. You're a terrific follow my friends. I am so sorry. I said 20 minutes and I've kept you for an hour. Um, I know it, I know it's flown. um, But at the same time, uh, I think stars fans will agree. You were an absolute beast tonight. Well, it's the holidays, and frankly, anything to keep David off this microphone is a service just to the public in general. So <laughs> I'm doing my part. Well, we will we will not abuse you, but we will ask you back um, because you were terrific, and I'm sure everyone will 
hit me up and say, Oh, Robert Tiffin was great. Just like, you know, had, you know, David's great and Sean's great. And man, you guys have just helped this podcast out so much. So if you're listening to this and you're on Amazon and you're buying Sean's book, we win here and making it a bestseller or something like that. Take the time and, and support Robert as well. Um, because you know, these guys are nice enough to help grow spits and suds. So we want to help them. It's, it's a cool community. I know it's been said before, but in a, in a football town and even with the Mavericks winning championship and everything, the, the star, the people who care about the stars, it's a cool community. And I've, I've been really fortunate to meet a lot of really good folks. So, uh, it's the stuff you built here, here is cool. And I, I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And Sean will join us tomorrow. We'll talk NHL and we'll, we're going to dive into all the boarding that's happening in the NHL. And will the NHL board of governors do anything regarding that? We'll also go around the NHL, talk about the new coach in Ottawa. And we'll also uh, obviously get Sean's thoughts on tonight's four to three overtime win. So that's going to do it for spits and suds. Thank you one and all for listening. I did want to add um, it's the holiday season and everyone's busy. And uh, some of you said, oh, I didn't know I missed that podcast. Well, that's why you hit the subscribe button, because when you hit the subscribe button, it shows up right on your phone or right in your email. And therefore, you know, you can always listen to Spits and Suds because we're trying to do these on a regular basis so that you always have quality up to the minute stars content. So thank you one and all. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again tomorrow right here on Spits and Suds.